So welcome back for our book study in this year. And as we were talking before, that hopefully this year we will finish this book. But let's not concentrate on this finishing. Let's concentrate what is for us from uh, St. Ignatius for today. We are on page 293. First full paragraph. Those who have acquired true vision of their own sins, those who have acquired the fear of God, must ask God to grant them the gift of tears through insistent prayer. Thus did Akshah, the daughter of Caleb, having been given in marriage and acquired a large tract of land as a dowry, when she sat on a donkey to begin the journey to her husband's house, with tears and groaning, asked her father that he would grant her another tract of land that is covered with water. Since you have given me land in the south, give me also springs of water. Caleb granted his daughter's wish. The holy fathers interpret us Shah as the soul that sits as if on a donkey in the worldless desires of the flesh. The dry land is interpreted as spiritual work under the guidance of the fear of God and the fact that Aksha with groaning asked for sources of water indicates that every ascetic has an extreme need of tears. Every spiritual laborer must beg God with sighing and pain of heart for the gift of tears. Well, I think that this paragraph reminded us that we are on chapter, uh, that we are talking about tears. And if we are talking about tears, it is not tears like physical or tears which come from some kind of emotions. Uh, St. Ignatius teaches us in this chapter about tears which um, all these saints, these holy fathers, they call this is gift from God for person who enters to this uh, movement of movement of uh, repentance. And this special topic, uh, we. Many times there's a little bit problem, uh, especially now when we used to divide like some kind of West, um, spirituality, my Western spirituality, Eastern spirituality. And um, uh, if we were formed by Western spirituality, what is rather common, you know, in Western civilization. So then tears, and this gift of tears is a little bit strange for us. And uh, so we have some kind of hesitation that because we don't understand totally. And uh, we were not taught about that, the form about that. But one thing is what we have to realize and uh, that this teaching is not I would say Eastern spirituality. What Bianchino does, he doesn't offer his own teaching. He offers summary of teaching Holy Fathers, 
and uh, if we if we remember those things he quoted in his words in his, in his work all those are saints from first ten centuries it means when uh, uh, there was no eastern or western spirituality there was just one spirituality one way you know how this life with God was understood we have to realize that even on the west was uh, even there for sure there were adjustments on the west because uh, I will put it this way that uh, this really this growth of some kind of art of spiritual life in the west um, actually I, I this is my opinion I might be wrong but I it is how I understand this started with Saint John Cassian. Uh, Saint John Cassian was monk, who was who had desire for real spiritual life, and um, he was from uh, Central Europe. So he uh, went to Jerusalem, if I remember well, and then uh, he spent some time in monastery there, and uh, that, and he learned that in Egypt there are a lot, a lot of these elders, these really uh, saint monks who um, were excellent in uh, spiritual life, if I can put it this way. So he decided with his friend to go there and they spent several years there, I, I think 10 or 11 years and what he was doing was that during these years he went uh, and he visited many these holy monks, these elders, and uh, discussion with them he put to later to his book Conferences. This is his famous work. This work became like textbook for spiritual life for the Western West. Western civilization, because when he returned back, uh, and it was like, now we know this place like uh, friends, and uh, he was asked by bishop, local bishop, to give some kind of instruction or write some instruction for monasteries for monks, the bishop established. So. Uh, at first, St. John Cassian, he wrote uh, instructions. It was like not a, lot, not a huge book. But then he wrote these conferences where he described these discussions with these monks. And uh, he covered like, uh, like all, almost all aspects of spiritual life there. And this, his work, his conferences became some kind, not only textbook of spiritual life for monks, but through monks and then through clergy and then it spread. It was like textbook for spiritual life. And in his influence, and this was up to 
12th or 13th century, then his influence started to disappear. And uh, universities took over, you know, and this, uh, uh, and, and what happened slowly that theology became like one of subjects. And um, I think somewhere there started this uh, uh, divorce from, from theology and spiritual life. And this academical approach, if I can say it this way, prevailed slowly. <coughs> and um, because of that, a lot of, of this art of spiritual life disappeared in the West. But still, we can find, if, if we read St. John from Grass, mm -hmm. is correct, Carmelitan um, and many others, so who led this really deep, completed, contemplative life and in the writings, even they are using different formulations, different, different words, you can see this unity with these first 10 centuries, with these experts, teaching these experts of spiritual life. So uh, what we are doing now, studying that, it's not, and I want to stress this, because it is not that we are learning something that is foreign, that it doesn't belong to us as a children of Western civilization. This is, we try to discover what was for many centuries the common or, or the same treasury for all Christians. And uh, so it is some kind of, they are we are going back. Uh, even while Vatican II, there was, well, there is a lot of criticism now, but this was this thought there, return back to roots, to patristics. But this was lost there. It was on the paper, maybe, but it didn't happen. Because I think that this, uh, th it was good, good idea, but uh, uh, this idea was, again, this is my opinion, this, opia, uh, this uh, idea was killed by putting stress on patristic study instead of relearning spiritual life. And I think that the world now and this uh, mess in the world, uh, this crisis we experience, uh, we cannot see solutions for that. It's difficult. But, but the only solution is really to listen to those saints who were experts and learn from the, them how to live our life as a Christians. Because truth is that 
because of formation we got, because of this influence, the noise you hear this archer slave doing its job, vacuum cleaner. So the idea, because uh, we are, uh, all this formation we got, uh, it's, it's uh, I'm using strong language now that is very shallow. And even if we try and we have good desire, uh, we need this help, the guidance of Holy Fathers to go deeper. Otherwise, we are just trying, trying, trying with the best intentions, but still we feel that, well, it is not what uh, what we would like, what we would be expect. And uh, But the other problem is when you start to read this teaching of these Holy Fathers and spiritual life, then we are depressed because they asked us to do a lot of, and they are very radical. But there is no other way. And because of that, because we don't, we are don't going too deep, even like this topic about tears is strange for us. You know, it's strange, it's uh, like, uh, gift of tears is one of the first gifts God gives Christians, those who believe in him. Because <coughs> this gift is sign that God is accepting our repentance. How I have to, yeah, uh, previous chapter, uh, it's written in previous uh, paragraphs that tears as a gift from God are a sign of God's mercy. So, well, if you don't have this, this visible confirmation, this gift from God, sometimes <laughs> it's question, how is our repentance? Many times we, we go, <laughs> we have this, this uh, even like confessions, we come to confession and we, we are searching more, I would say, some kind of relief, psychological relief from things which are on our soul, which our conscience brings us. And after confession, yes, we have this understanding, we got absolution, forgiveness of sins, and we are satisfied. It was done, I did that, so I made confession, I got absolution, everything's okay. It's not. Because usually we don't have this long period which should follow, which we call repentance. It means changing course of our life. Many times we complain about sins which we repeat again and again, and we are upset. But the truth is that we Actually, we didn't do a lot of to remove that, to change uh, 
they owe our life. And uh, just one example. It was some kind of interview with one. Uh, he's not priest. Uh, well, one man, okay, Christian. And in his, this interview, he said that uh, the place when he worked became a little bit toxic because of people, new people who came. And he said that slowly people, there were like changes, and he was like, he started to feel that people, new people who came and replaced previous his colleagues um, were not Christian, were vulgar, and uh, he said it was a difficult place to be. And he realized that, that he has to face more temptations, you know, suddenly. And when he was confessing these this sins, this is failures, especially first with his language, because he was involved voluntary, something not, not voluntary, in these discussions, which were. So he made decision. If I want to protect my soul, I have to change my job. And he did. And when I was reading that, I, I realized this is this is really wonderful example. What does it mean to repent? It means to adjust our lifestyle in that way. May we are able to please God in everything. And this is the the most important goal of my life to please God in everything. This is, this is the, nothing else is important for, for our life if we believe in God. And because of that, that, that this, this understanding, maybe even repentance and how it should be done and how serious is this our, uh, our sin is, and and just to move away from some kind of this uh, legalistic approach. I did this, I do this. It means I am fine. How many times we say, "Well, I am in grace because, you know, I receive confession." Yeah. Yes, this teaching of church. But even like this teaching of church, well, it is, but if you have like this really pure intention in heart, if you leave confession without firm decision to change life, this grace you receive becomes not active. It doesn't work. You know, you, we have to act and cooperate with grace, and then something will be changing. So I'm, I'm making this introduction or this summary a little bit from previous uh, paragraphs and chapters that we have to realize that when we start to make, 
makes serious steps for our salvation, for entering to life with God, then it will be more natural to accept, receive this gift of tears and understand this and, and really appreciate that. This paragraph we just read, I probably forgot what we read <laughs> because of my introduction. But in this paragraph, Saint Ignatius, uh, he talks about another step which should lead to to this gift of tears. He is using like this picture or this um, episode from the Old Testament. And uh, and this was used by holy fathers um, as an illustration what we are supposed to do. Um, his daughter asked for for uh, she got like this big piece of land, but there was no water there, so she begged father to give her as a gift for her wedding even this part of land where is water so this dry land without water represents our ascetical effort work so it means that we are praying we are fasting we do spiritual reading. And all this tool which helps us to put our life in order according to God's will is this ascetical uh, mean or means. And, and, uh, <coughs> but still, this is our work. We have to start this first part we have to do, and then we have to start to beg God for this gift of tears, which represents this land with water. We can get this dry land through our effort, ascetical effort, but still we need God to give us this gift. And this is why we are supposed to not only to do these practices which helps us to uproot our passions, we have to have this desire for this, for this gift. It means we have to have desire to reach the spiritual heights. Um, Yesterday, on Facebook, somebody posted uh, from Slovakia, there was like interview with one priest. He started do podcasts like three months, four months ago. And uh, so one newspaper made interviews with him. 
uh, these podcasts are, are because he has friends or co- good connections. So all these famous like moderators, people from show business and musicians from some bands. So he made like ten, all with these like names which were like everybody knew those people in Slovakia and. Uh, Uh, so he was doing interviews with them. Um, uh, it, it, I, I listened to several of them. Uh, well, uh, it was nice. I think that it, 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 it is some kind of bridge which can bring some kind of message of gospel to people who are outside of church and they are not interested in it. So this is this good intention, and there's so many good things there. But one problem, and I I cannot help myself, and I was upset, was that what he repeated, even in this interview, uh, he, for this newspaper, he they asked him to do, he was stressing this that well, the point of this podcast is to show that priests are normal people. <laughs> well, I don't want to say opposite. <laughs> <laughs> All priests should be normal people. <laughs> But how he meant this, he said that that he was, quote, he was talking about one story that um, he was helping as a teacher of substitute uh, teacher of music a substitute for for some time and he said and it was great nobody knew that I am priest and and I said I said to myself this is not good this is not good and there is this some kind of this tendency in us in this presentation towards like world to show ourselves we are normal people, we Christians, we are normal people, we are like you. And this is not true. Once you get baptism, you are transformed totally. You are transformed and you don't belong to this world. Actually, you are really, you are very normal at the time because You started to carry this image of God and you became son or daughter of God. This is normal state. And live according to this state, it's normal. It's not normal to live without God. And because maybe there is this tendency in us to somehow to make possible this coexistence of world and our faith. We try to find these bridges to show that, well, we are not crazy people. We Christians, we are really normal people, you know, and uh, it. I think that like this church environment present time is penetrated by this Be by this thought, you know that that we are going like down, uh, and and sometimes even 
we understand some messages from up, not totally up, but you know, between. Uh, like to make this some kind of compromise with the world. You know, it's it's uh, and and you can you can hear this that uh, many times, especially in these addresses to young people, many times you can hear this. Yes, you should go among your friends. You can hang out and to you know to sh to. Well, this is so dangerous advice, you know, because. Um, we have inclination towards sin. We have inclination to life without God. Because it is part of this fallen nature in us. And uh, we, sh we never should have like some kind of um, intention or we cannot imagine that we are able somehow to save others. There was a nice example of one catechist trying to explain this. Uh, he asked, uh, it was like a class of teenagers, maybe high school. He said, go, uh, go and stand on table and um, so that teenager went up, I, another teenager was down, I said, the teenager who was up, pull him up to you. So they bend it and try to pull him up, he couldn't. And then he asked this who was down, he said, pull him down. He did it very easily. And And this is, this is how it works. This is why we hear these holy fathers, they, they really give uh, uh, strong advices. He said, well, avoid bad company. Avoid, it's dangerous for you. For, for example, like St. Theophan de Recluse, he gives parents uh, this advice about how to raise child to f or how to direct the child to find good friendship. And his advice is the best friend of your child must be his spiritual father than father family and then people others who have the same uh, raising or the same uh, way of life and he just repeats teaching of those sayings of the first 10 centuries <coughs> but even in this, how far we are in the form or even like raising kids uh, from this common uh, way which was 
like still alive in some way 100 years ago too far too far and all of things well I, I'm sorry that I'm talking about that but I really want to bring this fundament that that we have to realize all those things that uh, and and to realize that yes we have to learn what doesn't mean repentance and when we learn that and we start to do this we we will feel that it's not enough and we start to beg God for this gift of tears which is a sign of God's mercy which we received. It might be for us might be another problem with this begging God for for this gift of tears because sometimes we see ourselves we we know our weaknesses we know our that our will is weak and defeats us again and again and sometimes this causes that we don't have courage to ask for big spiritual gifts because when we are reading about these big saints who had this non-stop tears this gift was like permanent in their in their in their lives you can um, read about like St. John St. Joseph Hesychast when he was praying during night when he finished so there was on the on the ground was mud there made through his tears which came and 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 others you know that it's very common thing and we say well how can i compare to these big saints how can i dare to ask for this gift and this is something what what we are uh, making some kind of barrier for ourselves St. Isaac Syrian, he says, don't ask God for small things. Ask God for big things. And he's talking about this area of spiritual life. We are supposed to ask God for big things which uh, he likes. If we ask for gift of repentance, if we ask for gift of tears, if we ask really when we ask for holiness, not for salvation, not just to slip to purgatory, like some say, you know, like many times you, you can hear, you know, it would be enough if I am in basement somewhere, you know, just sweeping like basement of purgatory, I would be satisfied. This way of thinking is not correct, you know. We should aim high. Because God wants to give us kingdom, we should ask for give big gifts. We should ask, Lord, give me, guide me. I want, I want to be holy. 
I want to be in a place you prepare for me. I I want nothing else. I, I you know, I want to be this this uh, merchant who found this precious pearl from gospel. And because so he went, sold everything, and bought this um, this pearl or the, this hidden treasure hidden in the field. Again, he went. Parable. Jesus tells us this parable that he went, sold everything, bought this field where treasury was. We should be in this position, really, to sell everything to gain this, and and. In this movement, this movement, when we are giving up things which are, which has, which have no value, or small value, because we want to gain this treasure, this precious pearl. When we are in this activity, it's easy then for us to ask for big things. If we if we don't aim for these big things. We don't ask for these big things. Actually, we say, well, it's just enough if I somehow slip, you know, to purgatory, as many say. No, no, no. Big gifts, big requests. All right, let's continue. There are questions or, yeah? I was just going to back you up on what you were saying a little bit. I was just listening to a priest the other night who's a rather famous priest that does many conferences, you know, three or four topics at a time and, and moves on. And one of the things that always happens to him is people say, is there any way you can be my spiritual advisor? You know, can you, can you uh, do this, this, and this for me? And he goes, my response is, you can come to confession. And if you're willing to go home and remove all those things that are causing your sins... I'll be your spiritual advisor. But if you're still gonna go out to that club and you're still gonna do this and you're gonna still repeat those same sins over and over again and not try and make any effort to remove those things out of your life, he says, how am I supposed to help you go forward? Sure. You know, so he says people don't ask him that much anymore. Uh, <laughs> and it reminded me, uh, in uh, close to Moscow, is, uh, there is uh, a very famous monastery and uh, uh, this monastery was actually somehow uh, there was like declined. Only there were like in one point there were only three monks, and then this um, renewal of the monastic life in the monastery, Optima Monastery, started when when disciples of uh, Saint Paisi Velchkovsky came to Russia. Velichkovsky is then one who translated Philokalia to uh, Roma, uh, to Slavic languages. And he really formed uh, uh, his disciples according teaching Holy Fathers and a huge renewal came through this. Even uh, St. Ignatius is, I would say, not spiritual son of that saint, but grandson. He was afflicted by his, and, and this we can feel this in his teaching. Well, and in this monastery started like this 
um, uh, role of elders, these spiritual fathers, uh, elders which are monks who were uh, who reached uh, really heights of spiritual life, and so they uh, they had this role to lead monks spiritually and visitors. One of those first ones was Elder Leonid. And there is a story, there are many, so now I read all this live, so I hope that I fit the story with him correctly. <laughs> I'm not sure now, but well, I, I'm pretty sure that it was Leonid. So his cell was during the day like filled with people, monks, priests, bishops, like rulers and simple people who were waiting until they can approach him for blessing or for advice or whatever. And once a monk who came from Manatos came to Optima Monastery and he wanted to talk to this elder, so we enter that, uh, that cell. I was waiting for his turn. <coughs> and then he was, uh, while he was standing there waiting, doors opened and a man came inside. When Elder saw the man, he, like, with strong voice, he asked, what are you doing here? And he said, well, I came for a spiritual, like, advice, you know. And Elder said, did you do what I ordered you to do last time? I said, no, get out, get out. And everybody was like, what happened? You know, this gentle, kind, full of love, elder was so strict with this man. So the man left. And probably when he returned back, probably after he did everything what he was told before. So yes, this is, this is, uh, but well, with this, um, Spiritual directions is uh, it's tough now, in present time. We don't have, we don't have real spiritual fathers. It's difficult to find. Um, I think that we are living in the time when uh, we need to return back, we have to choose holy fathers, the saints, our spiritual fathers, as our leaders. Because it's very rare to find a real spiritual father. And uh, one bishop was asked, from Greece was asked that why we don't have Spiritual fathers, it was used to be before fathers, you know, and he said, Where there is no disciples, there is no master. And I think that once we turn back to Holy Fathers and we, and this desire for depth of spiritual life uh, is born again in us, God will give us these gifts in form of spiritual fathers. He will raise.
for us those who um, can lead us as guides but until then we are holy fathers and if you cannot find holy fathers God himself will be our guide if you are thirsty he doesn't leave anybody alone who is searching for him and without advice <sighs> too much talking you know this break <laughs> didn't help me <laughs> <laughs> Let's <laughs> another paragraph. Okay. Along with prayers for the granting of tears, personal effort for their acquirement is absolutely necessary. Personal efforts and labors sometimes precede the flow of tears, whilst on other occasions they accompany them. The work preceding tears consists of a wise abstinence from food and drink, moderate vigils, non-acquisitiveness, and turning away our attention from everything surrounding us and concentrating our attention to our inner selves. St. John of the Ladder said in his sermon on tears that repentance is the willing rejection of every consolation for the body. The Holy David describes the situation of the one who weeps thus, I have been smitten down like grass and withered, for I forgot to eat my bread. From the voice of my groaning hath my bone cleaved unto my flesh. I am become like a pelican in the wilderness. I was like an owl in the ruins. I have watched, and was even at it were a sparrow that sitteth alone <coughs> upon the housetop. For I have eaten ashes as it were bread, and mingled my drink with tears. Without such death to the world, it is impossible to acquire tears and sorrow. We acquire them as much as we mortify the world in ourselves. That means not being, not, that means not being, um, uh, um, how do I want to say that, huh? Not being inquisitive. Yeah, not being That's inquisitive. Like not being inquisitive, you know, not wanting to know things all the time oh, or wanting. Okay. All right. Not easy paragraph. What St. Ignatius offers us as an advice. as a preparation for receiving this gift of tears, this sign of God's mercy, is that we have to really live very strong ascetism. Um, we know about that. We know that at first we have to conquer our body we want to let our soul to fly. Without that, we cannot. Um, St. Isaac Syrian, he says that if we don't conquer our body, so then we can some kind of acquire like fear about our body. 
and this fear causes that we are not able to make any act which would bring our soul up. Um, he says that this knowledge of God, um, how he said, that knowledge of God doesn't dwell in body which loves pleasures. And he adds that the man who loves own body do not attain God's gifts. This is, and he is not some kind of saying something, he just formulates spiritual law which is repeated by all saints who teach about spiritual life. If you allow your body, you'll be not able to receive spiritual or God or divine gifts. Because you are in position of a servant. When you try to fulfill pleasures of body, whatever they are, the many, so it means that body rules over you. And soul is like in prison, in darkness. Cannot receive um, this knowledge from above. So this is very difficult demand he gives us and he tells us. But he tells us this, what is true. Uh, and we read Life of Saints. So we always we find out in this description of their life or spiritual activities that there was this some kind of almost we would say almost hate against like body but not against body like, uh, we have to understand it correctly this hate against this rule of bodily pleasures over us. They didn't hate body because it is created by God, but they hated those aspects, demands of body, which were trying to pull us down on the level of body. Now, and this is this is this is very important because uh, to realize and to accept because without that there is no spiritual progress. We can live on three levels. There are three levels on which we can live. The lowest level is bodily. We live bodily life. It means that we take care of and we try to uh, fulfill all these desires of body for pleasure. This causes that on this level we are in spiritual darkness. We might have 
knowledge, intellectual knowledge about God and things, but actually we don't experience anything from spiritual life. Actually, we are like baptized atheists, you know, that, that yes, we have this recording register that about our baptism, we even can pray, we can go to a church, we, but still we live on the level of body, which causes that our soul doesn't grow, blooms, nothing. Once we realize uh, our goal and we make really concrete steps towards this goal, it means when we start to put our bodily desires under control, we are slowly entering to the second level, a level of the soul. And on this level of the soul, we start to see and understand something from spiritual life, heavenly life. We start to understand uh, meaning of commandments. We start to see all these um, uh, meaning of Christ's words. That's that. And more we are ascending in this level, more grace we are receiving. And this is like part of our purification. More we go through this purification, it means that more we give rule to our soul, not to body, more this, some kind of this race, of this eternal sun comes inside and we start to see and understand and we are pleased by this warmth of God's grace and we go want to go up but still in this level uh, it's not final step the final step is this perfectness when everything is in our being somehow put to order that knows this highest level, this organ through which we communicate with God when or we have this understanding of God, fullness of God, almost fullness of God, perfect understanding of God, and this knows is, is directing all these aspects of our soul, this intellectual aspect of soul, emotional and soul, and all these aspects of spiritual, of, of, of souls, active uh, faculties of our soul, and then body. So our goal is to come to fullness of life, is to go up, up, up until God's grace somehow doesn't fulfill us in this way that we we are doing uh, we give this 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 rule of power to rule over our life to this highest level of our being which directs that i know this is complicated is it
Yes, it is. Oh, very complicated. And still, I my slide didn't grab. So, like, how to explain that nous? Because nous is Greek word for this highest faculty of the soul. And holy fathers, they are not very uh, strict in this. Some of them they say nous. They call nous heart, or they call nous mind. Or they call news eye of soul. Some they call it uh, this highest. Uh, I don't know how to uh, translate that. So they are using and many times you have to think if they mean a real mind as an intellect, or they mean mind as a, this highest level, highest organ of soul. It's difficult. But what is what is important for us to know for now this that. There must be in our life this movement, you know, even we don't understand fully, and probably we will never understand fully, we have to experience that. But this movement that to free this news, this mind, not intellect but mind, from, from uh, desires from body, to give the highest authority to that highest level of soul which desires only to fulfill God's will, to be in unity with, uh, with God and, and in this way directs whole our life. Um, well, maybe I went too far with that, but I think that very important uh, is that uh, this and again, I would I think that Saint Isaac uh, he gives like wonderful explanation when he says that who loves on body doesn't receive gifts from God, and who uh, that uh, uh, how to translate that that knowledge of God doesn't dwell in body, which loves pleasures and now you can if you think about that and and uh, I, I just don't want to encourage you some to make some kind of judgments or something but really to think and to take this spiritual law in several heart and, and, and start to think that people many times we talk to people that we want to bring them some kind of understanding of God bring them closer to God and to bring them to faith and it's nothing we can try hard as we can to use all kinds of arguments everything, nothing even our very good deeds, holy deeds, are not able to move with these people. Ask, try to find out, isn't a person who is slave of his own body? And I'm sure that you will find some kind of passion present there. You know, it, it's it's just can, can be um, 
I, what came to my mind, this is like this show, uh, this man in the shore, Bizarre Foods or something. Uh, do you know this show? Yeah. Andrew, yeah. you know? Yeah. Internationally, so food in the world. Yes, Bizarre Foods and this, um, this moderator, host of the show is uh, this man, bald one, I think that is Andrew Zimmerman. Yeah. And you can see that when he sees this food, some kind of this meal in front of you, he's like full of joy. You can see that he loves food. And he has really like this huge pleasure, you know. I think that if this is something what is in us this this desire desire for this for this uh, pleasure of body uh, we put barrier to our soul and soul is not able to grab anything spiritual something yes something you know but uh, but even this something is not knowledge from above it is just some kind of intellectual knowledge which doesn't move us to our salvation. I had to call Patrick and tell him that, well, we really remembered his desire <laughs> and we didn't finish his book today. So I'm sorry that it was just a little bit, but I think it was important to stress those things because in this, like this, fundament of spiritual life lies and an understanding of those things. All right. Thank you very much.